Chaz Wagner again here. It's been a while. We are back at the single O. Way too long. Uh, lots going on, but uh, we're here with episode four. It's going to be a two-part series, so episode four and five are with our buddy Ed Kaufman. He is the head roaster for Joe Coffee. If you know anything about New York Coffee, you know Joe Coffee. Almost synonymous. Um, tons of shops right now. They are expanding, uh, making their way into my borough of Brooklyn. I don't think they have their own shop over here yet, but got some wholesale accounts. And uh, if I were a betting man, I'd say there's going to be a, a Joe shop over here at some point. But again, Ed Kaufman, uh, he's been with, with uh, Joe for over five years now. Cranking out. Great dude. Loves to be on the bike, so you might see him out on, on the streets this summer. Um, please enjoy my chat with him, and welcome back again um, to the single O after a long, um, unacceptable hiatus for me. But uh, welcome back. Thanks. Hello, hello, everyone. Chaz Wagner here with the single O podcast. I'm sitting here with Ed Kaufman, the director of roasting for Joe Coffee, and we are at Joe Coffee HQ back in uh, your comfy little little cube back here. Yep, yep. How are we doing, Ed? Good, Chaz. Thanks. You, uh, we have a cup of coffee here, and you're almost, you, you sucked it down. I didn't even get my first sip in. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> jumping the gun. Jumping yeah. The, what is it? is it? Is it that good that I... Uh, Need to jump in here. I think you should jump in. Let's, it's uh, let's take this first step. What do we What do we got going? I on? think it's this is the uh, you know the pro shop rotates their their menu, but I think this is the Kenya Gatariri. Okay. Or Gatariri. Top, top shelf. Yeah. Cool. It's a pea berry. Pea berry. From, what What are the other? Kenya. There's always like three. Um, oh, from Kenya. No descriptions for for coffee. There's it. So it's pea berry, and what what else is going on in, uh, in this guy? Oh, in this guy, um, just kind of like a typical Kenyan long fermentation. Um, it's really good body, nice pineapple, and okay, uh, but also like kind of maple cola thing going on. It's maple really cola, maple, love it. Maple and cola. We'll cheer, um, real quick, <laughs> let's let's cheers to um, cheers. It's Ed's five year anniversary with with Joe Coffee. It's my five year Joe birthday, February one, twenty twelve. That's correct. That's that's awesome. Um, well, let's let's get right into it. Then. Sounds How good. How did you uh, tell us your, your start with with Joe? Um, what was that position, and and how how'd you get to where you are now as the director? Well, maybe I should start. I should back up a little bit before I got hired at Joe. Um, I was doing a uh, a stint in my life that I call the 1750 era. Okay. <laughs> Because I was doing uh, some freelance barista training, some co- consulting, and every job I did, I charged seventeen fifty an hour. No way. Okay. Yeah. You were very New York. Just yeah. freelancing and figure out odd, yeah. odd jobs and projects it, all around. It, it didn't okay. suit me very well. I, I really appreciated having a you know a, a, an employer and a, uh-huh. a schedule. I, I do much better in that okay. uh, structure. But you know whatever I ended up doing, I always charged the same amount for my time, which is kind of funny. Um, and... My wife and I were over at Jonathan's apartment one night because we were all buddies mm-hmm. and we were having some wine and I, uh, I'd been working on a business plan to start my own roasting company and kind of decided that I didn't necessarily want to do that. I didn't want to own my own business, but I had the plan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And I thought, wow, ideally I could find a really awesome company. Right, right, right. Plug my plan into that and start get paid for roasting it rather, and get rather, paid. Rather than get a paycheck. Just, right. Work through life savings. <laughs> exactly. Second mortgage. Max yeah. out of my credit cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were over at Jonathan's apartment drinking some wine. When, uh, when was this approximately? This was probably January of 2012. Okay. Not, December even. Okay, uh, okay. Not, not much before, before started. I started. Okay. And so... We were on, I don't even know how many bottles we were mm-hmm. on, but uh, I just told Jonathan, I said, I want to roast Joe's coffee. And I think, I think I'm gonna, <laughs> I want to develop the roasting program. And he said, okay. And yeah. so uh, Let's do it. the next morning I texted the, the him. The crazy drunken idea actually <laughs> exactly. came, came to fruition. Well, they were, you know, they were customers of Intelligentsia at the time. Yeah. And uh, so I texted him the next morning afterwards. For people, said, uh, real quick. Yeah. Um, people little outside the know outside the industry um joe started not doing their own roasting can you just give a quick quick take on the evolution of going from intelligentsia to actually roasting in house? yes yes so uh joe's 13 years old um and we've been roasting for um it's gonna be i'm sorry 13 we we've roasted all of our own coffee for about four and a half years. Okay, um, not all of it. Actually, three and a half years was one hundred percent. We were able to kind of phase it in mm-hmm. for a while, uh, meaning we still bought ninety percent of our coffee from Intelligentsia, right? And then we roasted ten percent of our own okay. coffee, just to kind of that was version one. This was version one. That was the first year. Okay, it was great, really great way to practice. Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. first, I kind of went in kicking and screaming, like we have to. I want to do it all. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. you know, I hadn't, I'd had experience roasting and setting up roasting operations with my previous employer here, uh-huh. um, Stumptown. Um, and I was pretty confident that I could source coffee mm-hmm. through, you know, I'd already established connections for my business plan. Yep. Yep. And so um, it actually worked out really well to just plug in the pieces of my business plan that right. I wanted to keep under an existing organization exactly and let them take care of the things i didn't want to deal with like payroll and taxes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know things like that so you can geek out on geek out do some traveling yeah uh, manage a great crew and best um, of both worlds inspire people you know without having to worry too much about running the business okay um so it worked out really well for that and then so you started february one and then uh those first six months were were getting the company ready for that first ten percent of, of roasting, and then that first year was was getting you guys into hundred percent roasting on your own. Exactly, yeah. and in that first six months, I think we started um, August of that year roasting ten percent. Okay, so from February to August, I actually worked shifts at the stores, yeah. which was great. Uh, as funny as that sounds, I, at the time I was like, "Gosh, I wish." I wish we were getting going on this operation, uh-huh, but uh-huh. I look back on that time now and it, those experiences, especially working register. You learned so much. Interacting I learned with so customers. Much. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're the ones that are drinking the coffee I'm buying. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it, I feel like it really has guided my green buying. Got it. And my roast profiling mm-hmm. uh, with the crew. Um, so it's valuable, super valuable information. I ended up gleaning from that experience. For sure. Um, and then, you know, setting up, opening up our channels. Uh, supply chains, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. cupping a lot of coffees and selecting which ones we we're going to start with. Yeah. So were you the only one? Um, was it just a one-man uh, division or unit at that point? And how how have 
How did you build it out? How did you scale up the, um, not just operations, but actual, you know, the human capital and the team side of it? Yeah, we, uh, at very first, we were renting time on another company's roasting machine Mm -hmm. out in Queens. So we would go out there and start at 5 p.m. on Wednesdays. Right. um, Roast for three or four hours. We had two or three people bagging it up. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then the next day, somebody would go with me in the Subaru to deliver to all the stores. Got it. Okay. You know, it was three or 400 pounds. Yeah. Um, but for selection of coffees, we had um, three of us would cup through everything and decide on the coffees. Mm-hmm. The other two were, you know, retail manager and director of coffee for the company. So we would okay. all make sure the coffees were appropriate in our menu, mm-hmm. fit into the, you know, the overall Joe flavor profile. Yeah. And, um, and then eventually we grew to have one of our production people um, become production manager mm-hmm. and you know she kind of oversaw the crew over there as we got busier I started training other roasters right 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 uh, kind of on a uh, an internship program okay so a work study work study yeah they weren't getting paid but they would come out the three of them would come out Getting and great coffee grab uh, ba- take batches yeah it was it was fun it was really fun to uh inspire them and have them learn something totally new and one of them actually is now still a roaster with us oh cool and he's in charge of way more than just roasting down there he's kind of like my right arm oh, nice. <laughs> yeah what's his name his name's lee harrison lee harrison yeah okay how big is your team now now we have, in addition to me, we have three other roasters mm-hmm. uh, and five production slash delivery people. Okay. So about eight or nine. Yeah. And being at Pulley and having a limited amount of time that we're in the space, mm-hmm. we really, when we're in there, we're all Gotta the way up to 11. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything is just cruising. All right, all right, all right. We're going to fit 3,000 pounds into a 10-hour you know, day. Is that your output now? Uh on our that's like our busiest day okay. lately you know usually we're hovering around 28 got it got it yeah. okay so, how many hours approximately is is uh, a week are you, are you guys in there slotted in at pulley pulley uh, for everyone is is a um uh an, an roasting facility in um red hook that um people can go in it's kind of uh, think about it as a co-working space or a shared workspace for the coffee community to um, use the equipment, use the machinery, yep. and rather than build out your own facility from scratch, which is time-consuming, costly as hell. So yep, you yep. can talk more about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it just really um, allowed us to start roasting Plug without yeah. having to cough up a half a million dollars to yeah, build yeah. a roastery. You know, now these got um, pulley predated um, when Joe started roasting because you started in Queens, so. Did Pulley just what they started in? We started at the same time. Oh, cool! The same day, basically. No way. We were we were in there before they were actually open. You were a founding partner. Yep. Founding roaster. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So we um, we roasted in Queens for a while, but as soon as we got the first roasting machine hooked up in Red Hook mm-hmm. uh, at Pulley, we were there. We we moved there. Okay. To uh, to do our roasting there. Got it. And literally, like two days before, we were supposed to. Axe Intelligentsia and roast 4,000 pounds instead of 400 pounds. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we got this, the big machine plugged in, ran a bunch of coffee through it, and it was, it was a pretty crazy time. Yeah. You know, things take so much time to, uh, with yeah. utilities companies and everything, we finally got the thing hooked up. Yeah. Oh, th- th- 
New projects always take longer. Yeah. Cost more. But the the scary part was, you know, we didn't have anything coming from Intelligentsia to save us if something went wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As before, if you know, if something happened to that ten percent that we were roasting, we could just add on some extra. Load up Intelligentsia. So it's go time. Burn burn the boat. Burn the boat. Yeah. See what happens. Figure it out on the on the swim back. (laughs) Sink or swim. (laughs) I love it. Yep. Um, Cool. So you you got to you were you've built a little startup or um, a new company you've hatched it in inside of Joe and that as as we said it's kind of was, was best, best of both worlds for you and it sounds Absolutely. like um, you guys are always experimenting and innovating that's that's that hasn't changed even yep even in these five years you've been on board absolutely and I I feel like we're getting better we're we're growing into different parts of of the business that we have been kind of careful and slow with uh, for example. We just released all of our blends as being Rainforest Alliance certified. So that poster out front, cool. Can you yeah. talk more about that? Yeah, definitely. So we, you know, we've been talking since day one about how can we promote sustainability in a way that doesn't allow a lot of, um, you know, question about whether or not it's good for the farmer or mm-hmm. good for the land the coffee's grown on. And so, I, I got to be careful here, but it seems like. There are arguments on both sides of like whether or not fair trade is good for farmers. They're same with organic, uh, not anti-organic or fair trade at all. Mm-hmm. We just find that our system requires a little bit different model because we do pay a lot for our coffee mm-hmm. and we strive to create these relationships. So the things that we wanted to achieve in our sustainability mission were very close to what Rainforest already had in place. Great. So. We decided to be easy to to just make all of our blends, which are like make up about eighty percent of our volume. Mm-hmm. Have those be Rainforest Alliance certified? Some of them already were. We just hadn't put it on the frog on the bag, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, making it official, yeah, to the, yeah. To the end consumer. So some of them were already certified. Some of them we paid an extra whatever we needed to per pound for six months to get all of them certified. Right. Uh, which, in my mind, is even more effective than just purchasing already certified mm-hmm, mm-hmm. content. Oh yeah, uh, taking what you already have. Yeah, yeah, now we have we keep the relationship. We have a hundred new certified farms in Colombia. Wow, you know, so it's it's pretty awesome, and the coffee is delicious. So yeah. it's up to our standards. Um, yeah, so that's one one place we're growing with our sustainability, our charitable programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but also having repeat purchases from same the same farms, yeah. uh, helping farms develop micro lots, like higher quality stuff, and yeah. paying more for those. Uh, and then on the home front, bringing baristas to, uh, you know, to coffee origin right, right, and right. kind of opening the channels for that kind of thing to happen. Oh, so taking people that are working in, in the retail shops actually to the, to the farms. Yeah. That's awesome. Sorry. It's trying to give keys to it's my wife. Somebody. <laughs> Hello. I'm sorry. Hi, Ed's wife. Hi. We're doing a podcast. I can't be without him. He's talking about the the crazy night over bottles of wine where uh, he was talking about the the business plan for his own route. Five years ago, today's my five year Joe birthday. Years. Yep. Um, so take okay. So uh, a few projects or the momentum around getting bur- Can you talk about a, a recent trip where you took some of the, the staff down there? Absolutely. Well, the last 
the last sorry applicable barista trip i actually was not on the trip but last year when i was in guatemala we ended up buying a little bit of coffee from a pretty awesome company called uh beavista mm-hmm. and they have um a mill they buy coffee from surrounding farms i mean they're, they're just a great company they do their coffees are solid super good and so they have a cafe in antigua guatemala that featured guest baristas from all over the world from no specialty way. coffee companies cool. that buy coffee from them and they would bring them in they bring little, them in a little residency exactly so i just asked the guy i said you know can we just have all of january yeah next year and he said oh, sure yeah. why not and huh. and then we ended up with it's two baristas per week okay uh so that so they offered us five weeks, you know, because January is kind of long. So they offered uh-huh, us like, uh-huh. you know, New Year's Eve and everything. Okay. And so I said, okay, we'll, t- we'll take that. And then we put out, you know, an announcement in the company. Twelve people applied. So we we're like, how uh-huh. can we whittle out two? Right, right. And so we just asked them, like, can we have six weeks total? Yeah. And they said, absolutely. Oh, wow. So okay. everyone got to purchase We're in the middle of it right now, actually. There are baristas there. Okay. Oh, this January? Right now. Like, like okay. This You're is in last it. February. Okay. And... I wanted to send baristas down there in, Fe- in January because it's peak harvest. Right, right, right. And everything's going crazy. All the machines are running. Yeah, you know, full tilt. Happening. Yeah, full tilt. So now we have 12 baristas. Or at the end of it, you know, we'll have 12 baristas who've just been to crazy coffee country uh-huh, uh-huh. and can communicate and share experiences with their That's staff so cool. at their stores. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's going to be a great way to... Uh, you know, spread knowledge and experience. Yeah, and that's uh, that's full on engagement. I mean, engagement that, that takes the um, employee satisfaction and really being a part of the company culture to to the next level. Absolutely. So you're they're finishing. It started January one of this year, like essentially December thirty first. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, and we've probably got a week, you know, a week or two left. Yep. Okay. And then is is everyone going to? These are the store managers. Uh, some are some just, a couple of them are fairly new baristas. Some okay. are managers. Could you do work in the front counter. Yeah. Um, so are they going to come back and have have a big powwow or present to the company? Absolutely. Learnings yep. and, and insights and oh, that's great. Yeah. Cool. So the the caf- the company puts them up. They have an apartment there. Oh, nice. They put them up in the that's apartment. Solid. What a great program. I don't think they get they don't get paid to work. Yeah. But, but um, hey. <laughs> You know, you're All in the them. middle of the you know right next to the square. Yeah. In Antigua, Guatemala volcanoes awesome. and stuff uh yeah stuff so like that yeah. as we progress you know we're definitely trying to make sure we stick in the joe model which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. always approachable but experts in our field you mm-hmm, know so we're mm-hmm. we're geeks but we also know not, not too highbrow or pretentious not too highbrow or pretentious Love exactly it. yep okay so yeah what is the other um joe profile from a, a company perspective on how you approach uh the coffee craft in general and then you in your position on a more maybe granular technical level what what flavor profile do you try and bring to the to the consumer to the restaurant or to the wholesale account so we uh it's it's funny i and nobody listening to this better steal this but uh for my the house blend which you know we spend a lot of time putting this this blend through the quality control system we we take great pride in our house coffee which is in some people's minds, like the throwaway, you know, it's like, ah, whatever. It's just what everybody drinks every day. But I don't see it that way at all. I think yeah. of our house blend as kind of our crowning, glorious, you know, just 
regular coffee. Meat and potato. I mean, it's meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like filet mignon and like right, fingerling right, right. farm potatoes. It's, you know, it, it can also it can taste damn good. Yeah, yeah. and so I always in my mind it's always got to taste like CFDs, mm-hmm. which is okay. <laughs> caramel for days. Yeah. Oh, love it. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's not. We want to make sure there's no roastiness or dryness or carbon flavors to it, burnt flavors, but it's got to be roasted uh-huh. to a level, sourced appropriately. You know, coffee that's kind of low acid, uh, meaning brightness. Yeah. Um, it's got to be solid coffee with nothing wrong with it, but it can't be too crazy exciting in the the brightness department. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, my I, I try to leave a path for people. You know, we have we have three single origin coffees after house blend, or uh, you know, up to five, but the three uh, categories, and it's good, better, best. Okay. So good is like the next step if you're trying to the gateway, gateway. It's drugs. the gateway drug. Okay. Exactly. Okay. It's got uh, more distinct acids, not crazy though, and it's a little step a little cleaner. Up. Okay. Slightly lighter roast, probably in most, you know, most cases, better as you can imagine. A little more expensive, a little more complex and mind-expanding. Best is typically most wild, um, you know, t- probably like this Kenya or uh, yeah. something from Ethiopia or Rwanda. Right now we have a really nice Rwanda Okay, is our best. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, somebody who drinks house every day or the daily may have some Rwanda and they may think it's – maybe they don't like it. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. You don't have to go down the path if you don't want to. If you do, it's an easy path. It's exploratory, and you can. There's no you can like come back off the ledge. There's very, no secret handshake. Easy. You yeah. know, it's, come on in. Get it. Doors open. It. How often does do, do those rotate and, uh, and turn over? The the blends change components well, they, they twice kind of, a year. Uh, the single origins. How often? Single are you origins probably six, four to six times per year. Okay, got it. So depending on the harvests, uh-huh. uh, but also, you know. The harvest typically, I buy coffee f- that will last us from July to, to December, yeah, and then January to June. Okay, so in those two windows, we'll change the single origins around two or three times. Two or three times. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so we heard about trips of what the staff's doing going yeah, to Guatemala. Yeah. What um, being the director of roasting and, and the green coffee buyer. Um, what's a travel schedule like for you? What, what's what's a typical week or month uh, mm-hmm. look like for Ed? Well, typical week when I'm not on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, on Mondays, I'm at the roastery. Okay, uh, that's in Red Hook. At, yep, in Red Hook. Uh-huh. Um, we're cupping a lot of coffee. Sometimes I'm driving a forklift around mm. and have a cupping spoon and a laptop, and uh, oh, it gets pretty crazy down multitasking. there. Multitasking. Yeah, yeah. I'll do some, be doing some sample roasting for samples we'll cup on Tuesday. Um, there's a lot going on down there. Tuesday, when I come to the office, we'll start our day off with a and cupping. And we're at 21st and... Uh, Between 6 and 7. 6 and 7. Yep, yeah. yep. So I'll come in here. I wear a totally different shirt. I'm wearing a T-shirt today, but usually I wear a collar shirt. Oh, wow. <laughs> my office days. <laughs> it's in my backpack. Uh, but we, we cup through any samples that we've gotten from either suppliers that are waiting on an approval uh-huh. to ship the coffee or totally unsolicited yeah. samples. People send Some us rando from, from Mexico. Mexico. I think that's what that Tiger is. Tiger Orchard. You were like, I don't know what this is. I, I don't really know, you know, but, but it's fine. A, you'll give it a try. We cup everything. We put it through our moisture meter and our little psychrometer for 
all the readings yeah. okay. and uh, catalog it. If it's terrible this year, maybe it'll be good next year. We'll uh -huh. just we uh -huh. try to keep a database. Yeah. We kind of we open the doors for that kind of thing because feedback can help right. them improve their quality. Uh -huh. If uh -huh. somebody just says no, it's not helping the uh, industry it, as a whole grow yeah, 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 and produce yeah. better quality. Yeah, so. that feedback loop of hey, it's a little off, but this is. This is where we think you can improve upon. Definitely. And as we get better at cupping, we were able to pinpoint, oh, that's, this tastes like it took forever to dry, or it, or it tastes like a mold issue, or a, a harvest issue, or you know, we're able to give more direct the feedback. The more specific, the, yep. the, the, the better the, um, the next step. Or yeah, the, the next it makes around. us better at what we do, too. Mm -hmm. Cupping good coffee, bad coffee, medium coffee, awesome coffee, yeah. all of it. So right. we, we always cup everything. Okay, so that's Tuesdays. That's Tuesday. And then I'll usually sit and stare at my... Excel spreadsheets mm. for a couple hours. Make sure I'm buying enough coffee. Got, uh, it. Got it. Keeping close tabs on my inventory. Um, we have a meeting on Tuesdays. Uh, there's a team of us called the Coffee Committee. Okay. So we discuss things like quality of the brew in the store, uh, innovations in the industry, how's hospitality, how's training. Like a 360 look at, at yeah. both Joe the business and what what how you guys fit in the larger ecosystem. Exactly. The cool. direction of the company. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. So that's pretty cool. And then we're here on a Wednesday. And then What's Wednesday. Wednesday's a pretty good office day for me. Sometimes every other week there's a manager meeting with mm -hmm. all the store managers. And I like to sit in on that to yeah. kind of like see what's going on in the world uh, in the retail side. Mm -hmm. um, that can kind of also help me make sure our logistics from the roastery are plugging in well to their schedules and their store model and all that. Uh, yeah, Wednesday's more... More like projections, making sure by managerial stuff. Yeah, Spread, more spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, contracts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's amazing how much time I can. Stuff that you thought you wouldn't have to do by uh, not actually, opening your own business. I actually really appreciate the mix of <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know Excel spreadsheets and forklifts. You know that's what I like to say. Yeah, the dichotomy is is drastic. But. It's great. Yeah, Mondays and Thursdays, I'm like. Thursday you're back at uh, down in Red Hook. Thursday okay. back in Red Hook, roasting again. Um, and down there we're cupping, cupping our roasts from the previous Thursday. Right. So we let them rest a week. Then we do. We have a whole QC system down there that we use. So I'm cupping four days a week mm -hmm. on a regular week. Okay. Uh, and then Friday I'm back in the office doing my green coffee ordering. Got it. Uh, cupping again mm -hmm. here. Um, ABC always be cupping. Always be cupping. I love that. I haven't heard that, but yeah, it's shirt made. It's amazing how you know when you're just in the rhythm of it. Yeah, yeah. your palate's on yeah, you're fire. Bigger, yeah, you're, that's your cadence. Yep. Um, yeah. I have to not ask, but we need to let everyone know the way that you get back and forth between the roastery and the office and in visiting the retail shops is is by bike. That's correct. And we're in uh, we're February one now. You're you're going twelve months out of the year. Yeah, you're, you're not the the warm weather, fair weather biker. I'm not. So tell us about uh, Ed's obsession with being on the, well, the bike. Perhaps we should start with the connection between work and the commute. I. It's mm. amazing how you know we're we're looking at a, a small stack of samples on my desk, and the roasters, the sample roasters in Red Hook, and I will throw these bags in my backpack and ride my bike home tonight and take them to the roastery tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, and I chuckle all the time about how much this, you know, how much of this operation depends on me throwing green yeah. coffee samples or roasted coffee samples in my bike bag yeah, yeah, yeah. and riding them back and yeah. forth. 
So, you know, we're a... Yeah, it's not some fancy no. operation. <laughs> There's no, yeah. like, pneumatic tube or whatever. The drones aren't dropping it off yet. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, uh, I uh, became a father three and a half years ago. Nice. And it's pretty crazy. Uh-huh. And I just I had no time to... to to get my heart rate over a hundred beats per minute without yeah. like, you know, stressing out. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So I was trying to find a time that I can exercise and just keep myself well. And I was sitting on a train one day and I was like, man, I think I was on it's a B train or something going over the oh, Manhattan yeah. bridge. Forget about it. I was it. like, what are those guys doing? You know, they're riding. It's like, I could turn this 35 minutes yeah. each way that I'm sitting in a dark tunnel into something totally awesome. And yeah. so I think I gave myself a workout, but kind of it's meta. I bike as well. It's meditative. It's it's mental clarity. It's a absolutely lot, a lot of good things. And so I gave myself like a year's worth of Metro cards as a budget for a nice bike. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, the assumption that I would ride minimally, but yeah, it's you know we were just talking during the winter. It's so nice. I get the whole city to myself basically before eight a.m. It's like my own my so own. It's your, it's your bridge. <laughs> yeah. Ed Kaufman's bridge. All mine. Yeah. I'll let you guys on if you want to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't admission? walk backwards. With a selfie stick off the bike lane. Oh, yeah. you know, Get the hell out of here. <laughs> the worst. The worst. I will angrily ding my bell at you. And then the the obvious connection between, uh, you know, coffee and cycling. There's the fancy, you know, Joe isn't the, um, as you said, you guys don't, it's not pretentious or highbrow, but there's definitely the European cafes with, with the, the pinky in the air and sipping espresso. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't, you don't strike me as that. But there's that obvious connection between between coffee and, and the yeah. bicycle. Yeah, after, definitely. After, after a good ride, nothing like sitting there with a cup of coffee. I love it. Agree. I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, just talk cycling. Um, you, um, yeah. What's what's you know? I was like asking people what their most memorable coffee experience has been, or what their favorite. Um, coffee or varietal has been in recent memory kind of what what's really being being the the on the nerd side the geekery side what's what's really stuck out in your mind well when when i was just a baby barista um i i couldn't get enough of it you know i i needed more more knowledge, more this experience. This was back with Stumptown? Or no, this is... Uh, I worked at Cafe Grumpy. Oh, okay. So this was like 2007, so us, yeah, we, I think. Okay. Well, so in November, I had my 10-year coffee birthday. Sweet. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So wow, I've been working at Joe almost half my coffee career now. Um, but I, I just... It was so awesome to be in New York yeah. and have there only be like two or three awesome coffee companies uh-huh. and having people from around the world show up in front of my espresso machine and say yeah. like, Hey, I'm, I'm the world barista champion. Oh, Hey, I'm a coffee farmer from Kenya, you know, and I'm a roaster from, from Durham, North Carolina, you know, yeah. and just like, cause it really wasn't, um, it was grumpy and nine street espresso and, and it really hadn't kicked into the, and Joe and, and well, they weren't, you guys weren't ro- roasting then, but it was like, it wasn't, not a lot. it wasn't where it is now. No, not at all. And so it was kind of a bottleneck. It was like yeah. really nice to have that huh. funnel of people coming through and just shaking hands with, you know, people that they were from all over the world, like kind of wanting the same thing. I grew up in a small town in Montana, like 2000 people. So Mm -hmm. it instantly made New York this like tiny town for me. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just like the super connective thing. Um, So I just kept wanting more and more. And I I ended up meeting the Petersons from, from Panama, Mm -hmm, from uh, mm -hmm. Hacienda Esmeralda. 
uh, and they were doing the geisha at the time mm. and and people were freaking out and buying it for like 150 dollars a pound and mm. all this stuff and i'm like i'm gonna go there yeah, yeah, yeah and so we were hanging out with them and i said can i come visit you and like harvest coffee on your farm mm. and, uh they said yeah absolutely so i at the time we didn't really have the budget at the company for, to send me to do that because yeah. i wasn't doing anything really except for like being a tourist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so i sent myself to panama okay and rented a car this is more per you, you can't came out of your personal pocket as opposed yeah. to on, on, on the grumpy yeah. bill. Okay. Just because I yeah. wanted to, uh, Immerse I needed more, you know? Yeah, got it. And so one of my, I, I ended up hanging out with this guy, Graciano Cruz, okay. who's this awesome, crazy dude who's mm-hmm. from Panama. And, uh, I hung out with him for a while and he had a uh, honey processed geisha and naturally processed geisha, mm-hmm. like for, you know, different processing methods of yeah. this super sought after cultivar in Panama. And he and I sat on his porch right out in front of a coffee field drinking a blend of the two together in a French press. You're like, what is going on? And it on? was like, it tasted like like rainbows. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. You're like, how do I recreate this or get more of this one? Yeah. There's just no... Yeah. And it was also contextual, too. You know, we're sitting right there in front of a coffee field mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just like kicking back on yeah, a rocking yeah. chair drinking right. this Surre- unbelievable it's, it had to be surreal. coffee. Yeah. And, and, it's so that it was so pure. Yeah, not only the product, but just the the overall experience yeah. in that setting. Have you pulled out a joint? <laughs> there we go. Nice. <laughs> Done. So that's a story. Yeah. I did, so I don't know if I allowed to say that. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Great ending point for the uh, first part of our chat with Ed. Um, his his unforgettable time sitting on the front porch with Graciando and learning about how he got Joe Coffee and their roasting operations going um, at Pulley Collective, um, his his time at Stumptown, his time at Grumpy, and can't wait to deliver the second half of our interview with Ed. Um, that'll be episode five of The Single O, and that should be coming way, 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 way sooner than um, between episodes three and four. Um Thanks again for tuning in to the single O. Ciao.